everybody. Happy Easter. I'm excited because it's Resurrection Day. How many people are excited this morning? I can't hear you. How many people are really excited this morning? Okay, I'm going to start off with a testimony. Where's Jason? My man, Jason. Jason, where are you? Jason, uh, if you guys have been coming for a while, you know we went on our third mission trip in the last three months, and uh, we just went, he just got back from Portland, and I just want him to give a short testimony of what God has done with these guys in Portland. Awesome. Um, well, I don't even know where to begin. Um, it, it was just an amazing opportunity to go to Portland of how genuine the students were open. Um, and even um, just the honesty um, they have uh, when we ask them, you know, something about the God test. Um, there's this one specific um, student that I've talked to. His name's Aaron. Um, I saw him sitting in the corner, and he was just by himself. And I was like, hey, why not do the God test? Perfect opportunity, right? You know, he's sitting, by, sitting alone, so why not? So I went up and um, kind of introduced myself and said, hey, how are you? Um, and he was like, yeah. And he seemed really hesitant of, you know, talking at all. And I was like, hey, you want to do a quick survey? Um, Ten questions, and I just want to start a conversation with you. And he was like, yeah, sure. And so I um, started talking with him. Um, and the minute he, start, he started talking and explaining the answers to these God test questions, um, my heart started to break. Um, he grew up in a family where... Um, he didn't really feel loved at all. Um, he he was he was hurt by the church, um, and he his his parents were Christians. He he go to church, but he never understood the meaning of um, lordship or even like you know what being a Christian means or what it looks like. Um, and he told me he was a music major. He was a freshman at Portland State University, music major, um, and he basically told me how mu- how music kind of helps him in his process of dealing with life and and just everything in general. And it just, when I saw that, I, I kind of teared up. Like, I don't tear up easily, but when I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, um, it's real. Like, there are people out there that never experienced the love that God has loved me. And mm. just thinking about that, um, you know, he told I told my part of my testimony to him, and he, in fact, he encouraged me. He was like, bro, I get you. Um, and I was like, wow, like, I've never felt encouraged with my testimony. And he told his story, and, and that's when I realized, like, this young man here has definitely has a gift of, um, spiritual gift of service and exhortation. And so I pulled out my Bible and presented it to him, and he was like, oh, goodness. Like, that look on his face is like, oh, goodness, he's one of those Christians. Um, and... Emily, I flipped open to the, the parable of the prodigal son, and I showed it to him, and I was like, have you heard the story before? And he was like, yeah, I heard it before. Um, and I said, like, and he said, I can relate to that. Um, and that's, that's when I started praying over him, and I was like, hey, um, you may be lost in life right now, um, but I just want to tell you, God is here for you, and no matter what, you always have a place in his kingdom. So, Amen. Awesome, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it is Easter Sunday, and I'm telling you, I love these testimonies. How many love testimonies? And what, gets, what makes people get on an airplane and fly all the way across the country to share Jesus, to share the gospel, the good news, whose name is Jesus Christ? His name is Jesus Christ. That's amazing what we're doing. Here today, we get to celebrate that he died and he rose for our sake. Everyone say, my sake. 
So really what I'm going to do, I'm glad you guys are here today. If you're a guest this morning, thank you for coming out. My name is Pastor Rich. I'm lead pastor here, and you come at a good time. We're going to start a new series. For the next seven weeks, we're going to talk about seven statements that Jesus said who he was. And in this one, we're going to really today is he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And we're going to go through John chapter 11, and we're going to key on just one verse. And then we're going to unpack this and how this story that we're going to tell parallels of what Jesus did for us. And it's so much that is interacting with that story that we interact, we actually interact today where we all are. Um, so we're going to go, if you have your Bibles, if not, we have it on, we have um, um, our scripture on the screen. Also, we have it on uh, Bible app live. It's John chapter 11, verse 25. So Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. It's an amazing day. Father, I thank you for the the, uh, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for us, God, that we're all here, that we can celebrate the resurrection. We can celebrate what life truly is, God. And even you continue to remind us, we know every day, every week, with us is Easter. But, Father, we have a special emphasis today, and we thank you for today and your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you've been familiar with this story, if you've been to Sunday school, it's John chapter 11. It's right before Jesus is about to go to Jerusalem to die for our sins. He uh, has a family that he's been very close with, uh, with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he's been a friend with them for years. It's all how close they were, very close friendship. And he was in the town, and Mary and Martha sent uh, some travelers to tell Jesus, hey, the one whom you love, I love the way they put it, is sick. The one who you love is sick. And Jesus, it said, Jesus loved them back. And he loved them so much, he stayed there two extra days. Ever been there? And the story unpacking is him on the way after um, going into Bethany to see about Lazarus after he had passed away. He was dead four days. Jesus came into the town and dealt with a few things. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead which is his seventh sign, they call it, in the Bible, which was the most powerful sign, because after that point, everybody wanted to kill him. So what we're going to do is unpack that through 44 verses for the next seven hours. Just want to see if you're awake. Hey, Paul preached all night. Someone fell out the window and picked him back up and put him back in place. So if you fall out the window, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. Anyway, but we're going to unpack some things because when Jesus, all the things he was going, he was on a mission to raise Lazarus. He was surrounded with some folks, same kind of folks we're surrounded with today. When I was reading this story, I said, there's some characters here that I think we all are surrounded with in our neighborhoods and our workplace and our churches who had just some issues. and Not issues, but they had some, some minor, um, some, I call them issues in their life. And when I read this, I said, God, that seems like us today. How many know today's society just seems to be out of control? All the responses to everything that's going on. I, I, I feel like a dinosaur. I've never seen stuff so crazy. Maybe because I wasn't paying attention before. But since we have social media, you have, you can't, you have no choice but to pay attention. But it seems like there are a lot of things out of control. And with Jesus, wherever he was, he was surrounded with things out of control. 
even his own disciples. Now, as he told the other disciples, he received from the messengers that your one you love is sick. He said, waited two, it says he waited two days, then he told disciples, we're going back. We're going into Jerusalem. And the disciples said, wait a second. Wait a minute. Those guys were trying to kill you. And you want to go back? Which takes me to one of the, one of the things that one of the type of people you're surrounded with, they were dealing with fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety. That's the first point if you're taking notes. Fear, we're surrounded with folks. Fear, I see today in society, fear and anxiety. Now, you're saying, well, I see that on the news. But do you know Abilene, Texas deal with that? We deal with that on a daily basis. I, I looked up a piece, of, I had a, um, a document, a news document I was reading yesterday. I left it on my desk on the way in this morning. But it says this, that Abilene, Texas, we lead the nation and we lead Texas in smoking. In less sleep, we sleep less. And we don't exercise like we should. This is Abilene, Texas, which leads to obesity. And they talked about the zones. We're sitting in the middle of the zone. And we lead the nation in Texas in this part. Now, to deal with all the stress and anxiety, there's another thing that popped up with 67% we're dealing with in our population. Binge drinking. If you're 25 to 29, you fall into that zone. Binge drinking. What is binge drinking? Medication. Because I'm so stressed. And I'm fearful. And I drink to forget. what Jesus was surrounded with. Those are the type of folks, same folks we're surrounded with today. But what we're seeing is a world out of control without Christ at the center. He's on the side. He's everywhere else, but not in the center of our lives because the scripture says, perfect love casts out all fear. Jesus told them this, basically, guys, as long as light, as long as I'm in the light, as long as I am projecting light, I am protected from the darkness. So there's work to do. As long as we all as believers and those unbelievers, if you're not walking in light, you're walking in darkness. And as long as we're walking in the light, there's nothing to fear. What do you mean? Why should we fear anything? Our King of kings and Lord of lords conquered death. If he beat death, surely he can beat my cancer. Surely he can help me get a job. I mean, he beat death. You don't get no better than that. Transformers don't do that. Marvel don't do that. Because they cost money. This was free. But it cost God everything. So he's going through that, you know, that area. And he gave him that, that, that speech. Guys, I got to go. We got to go. Can't, can't afford to have deal with fear and anxiety. Some of us are sitting here and fear, and anxiety in life, and you don't know what it is. It can happen to a believer. It can happen to a non-believer. But it all depends where you position Jesus in your life. 
If he's just a part-time uh, uh, usher, I'll do my thing and I need you to help me. You're going to be in fear. And what, you know what fear does? Make you build a life on something that's not real because you're afraid you're going to lose everything. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. Second thing is he had to deal with, with discouragement. Now, he waited a few extra days. And then he left. And then Martha, remember Martha in the Bible? And Mary, Mary laid down, Martha ran. Now, we need both of them, okay? Don't try to be either or. But she ran up to him, and I understand it. Lord, if you had been here, you ever been there? Lord, if you had been here, I wouldn't have lost my job. I wouldn't have married that loser. <laughs> if you had been here, I wouldn't have took that money. <laughs> if you had been here, ever been here, if you had been here, Lord, you blame him quick, don't you? We stepped on our own. Lord, you know. But she had, not, she had a legitimate need. She was discouraged. She was disappointed that her brother died, which grows into discouragement. And the problem is she had faith. But a lot of times our faith, what do we do when our faith crashes into our current circumstance? We can either look at the circumstance or we can look at God. And sometimes it's very hard to look at the God when the circumstance is beaming on you and there's a person, your own family member, is dead. God, if you had, if you had been here, I wouldn't have lost my job. If you had been here, I would have got promoted. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't be sick. My brother would not have died. In Jesus, it said later, in, later on in Scripture, when Mary came, she fell down. She cried out, and then she had all the criers with her. Now, I think we can all relate. When there's a funeral, you always have the one that's not really close to the person making the most noise. Okay, let me appeal to my African-American people. You know we have one, you know. They're wailing. I mean, they're wailing, right? And like, you only know them. I only seen you once a year in the barbecues. Come on. Well, they have wailers. Some of them they pay to mourn for seven straight days. And Jesus walked in the middle of it. And he started to feel it. He said he got angry because he hates what death represents in people's lives. He's emotion- he felt their discouragement. He felt their fear. He felt their anxiety. And they kept saying, I know you can do whatever God tells you to do later. But he was saying, I am the resurrection and I am the life. I am the source and I am standing right in front of you. Can I help you with that? He's not here to help us later. He's here to help you now. Don't let your circumstance cloud out the truth. Now, if you don't know who Jesus is, that's a tough place to be. Because you, yourself, and I are your only trinity you got. And most, for me, most of my circumstances is self-inflicted. 
If you had been here, God, if I was there, you, would, you wouldn't even, you know, what you blaming me for? But I understand it. So he goes, where have you laid them? Because I can hear him now. Where'd you put them? Right? Oh, do you think Jesus, he's patting the lamb now? He's like, Ugh, I'm the resurrection of life. They don't even hear me, God. They don't even see me. Okay. He had a moment. Fully human, fully God. Come on, somebody. Just because it doesn't say the emotion was really, sometimes in words you don't understand, he was angry. What we call righteous indignation when we want to be angry, when we shouldn't be. That's what we call it, right? He was feeling deeply, like he feels deeply for you. So much he loves us. That's why I know we couldn't fix ourselves. That's why he sent his only son. So he goes down. He says, where'd you lay them? And I love his prayer, Father. Like he, he already prayed. Father, I thank you that you, um, you have heard my words. I thank you hear me now. You know, when you send up your first prayer to God, he already heard it. Jesus already prayed for you. He said, but for their sake, now I'm here. And what does Martha say? Because whenever you get full of fear, anxiety, all of us, discouragement, that leads to the last point on this side of it, defeat. Lord, he's been dead four straight days. If you pull out a part, He's going to stink. He's going to wreak worse in Pastor Richard's shoes. <laughs> this brother stinketh. And what he's saying is, in them days they felt that the three days, the spirit will hover over the body. The spirit was gone. And he, jumped, and he, he called him out. He jumped out. He didn't stink. He says, unbind him. Let him go. But the defeat, you ever see, you ever walk in defeat? You don't see, think anything works, so you try everything? Even though it does, you don't think it's going to work? You can't find any joy in anything. You're just surviving in life. You're not being proactive in life. In fact, the defeated Christian is what I call a uh, crucified Christian. They forgot that Jesus rose back up. They're walking around, oh, it's so tough and hard. and You know, you know he... <laughs> said that we died with him and then we raised with him. Now, if you keep acting that way, I'm going to put you in the, in the baptism tank and leave you down there. You can really die. Because I don't like bad news. Anyway, let me go. <laughs> Defeat. Nothing works. Mom, that ain't going to work. Dad ain't going to work. Pastor, that ain't going to work. Try this already. I can't do this Jesus thing. It don't work. And you know you're right because you're trying to do it. So all that, so we surrounded with. But when he raised Lazarus from the dead, what he was saying, he was going back again and telling them this, I am the resurrection and the life, which brings up this point. The resurrection isn't just a doctrine, guys, or just a future fact. It's a person. It's a person. We're not here for an event. We're here for Jesus. It's just not just a doctrine. Or if they thought it was a future event, my brother will rise now. He says, no, I'm the resurrection now. Today, I will raise him up. Today, I will quicken his dead body. Today, as we get, if we give our lives to Jesus, he quickens our dead body to life. 
Because today he's a now resurrection, not a heavenly thing. He's here on earth in each and every one of us who are believers. He says that. I am a right now resurrection in the life. And life, abundant life. Not that I, when I leave here, my life is cut short. That's it. I will not spend any more time with him. That's what he's talking about, eternal life, guys. That's what it is. Now, you're talking about what does the resurrection mean, Pastor? What does that really mean? It means this. In 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says, as Adam, remember Adam in the garden? Walking with God, no issues, wasn't going to get older, will always keep his hair. That dude. Walking around. Then he had a wife, woman. Man, he was hooked. Everything is yours. You know, as a child, your mom tells you, everything is yours. Just don't touch that. Don't go across the street. I'm going across the street. <laughs> Eat the tree. Well, and then he comes down, right? God comes down and said, what did you do, Adam? He said, well, let me tell you, God, it definitely, if you had been here, you wouldn't have gave me that woman. You see the sin pattern? We still blame our wives. Well, I used to pick up got drunk guys from the tank because I had to do that as a job. You know what they blame? They blame their wife. Like she gave you the alcohol to drink. Really? I'm convicting every guy in here. Take your wife out to dinner. Don't make her cook. Anyway, where am I? Fell. From that pattern on, man, we were born. Our nature was corrupted in sin. And we can be the best Sunday school teacher, and we can do all the nice moral things there is, but it does not change our dead nature. And God is like, and you always say, I feel so far from God. Reason why? Because you have not given your life, you have not given your life to Jesus where the Spirit comes in and quickens you. Now you can talk to him. You have unlimited access to the Father. That's when he died and said the curtain was ripped. Now we have unlimited access unconditional access to the Father. But here's the problem with us. We have a conditional response. So the more you want to know and hear God, the more you have to walk with him. You know what I'm saying? Because we have this thing in America, I'm just one and done. I'm quick. So I give my life to Jesus, I do what I want. When he said, get baptized, what does that mean? Professing your faith publicly. He died publicly. You can't profess your faith publicly? Well, it ain't my time yet. Then guess what? Maybe what you did isn't real. Maybe it was just fire insurance. Maybe that's what it was. Because we can't get cross the, we can't get past the cross. Now, God's displayed his power through the resurrection of Jesus rising up. Like he, uh, Jesus to say his power through Lazarus getting up. He displayed his love on the cross because he nailed all our sins. Became, he became sin because it had to be a man did it and a man had to fix it. And we were owed a penalty. We were owed death. That's why he called grace and mercy. By God's mercy, he sent his son. Like when they asked for Jesus to come back, to come see Lazarus. The one who you love is sick. Now, I have to be in heaven because I have a great imagination. We fell, and we have the Bible tells us how we're going to be reconciled back to God. God said, Jesus. And Jesus said, 
Yes, I have a, a people that we created through you are sick. And what does it say? This sickness is not on the death. That's what Jesus said about Lazarus. Our sin is not on the death when we, when we accept Jesus. Now, here's the flip side of that because we think we have time. The wages of sin is death. But through Christ, there's hope. There is salvation. Do you see why we celebrate like it's no tomorrow? Because I am spared from eternal separation from God. And he asked him this, do you believe this? Do you believe it? That I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you even believe it, church? Do we even believe it? We're surrounded with folks like that every day. Do we even believe that? That we are the answer to this world's woes. Some of us sitting here, I know some of you come once, twice, three times a year. And some of you are getting up on the church because it isn't good enough for you. But last time I checked, you took a bunch of people. Look at the disciples. Took a bunch of folks, put them together. No one would pick those guys. And now they said, he said this, you need to learn to love one another. You know why he said that? Because they didn't even like one another. They didn't even like each other. And then when he said, oh, that's cosmic. No, he was really saying something to these guys. You got to love each other. Now we take it today. Oh, is that what he means? Yeah. He, they didn't even like each other. But we can't do it apart from one another. We can't walk with Jesus halfway. Otherwise, everything we do is short circuit. There's nothing worse than a living, dead person who's been introduced to Christ, refuses to receive him, and everything they're doing is dead. Because everything going to leave this earth and never be with him again. When I step out of this body, wherever, this, wherever I go, I'm stepping right into his presence. It's like a ladder. Versus, if I don't, and you're going to know that you're not in heaven. The Bible says that. We think, oh, if I just die, I just... No, 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 no. You're going to know where you are. There's another guy named Lazarus in the Bible. He partied, he had money, and there was another guy who was just broke. Well, the guy who was broke became rich in heaven, and Lazarus became poor in hell. And they were able to see each other. And he's, my, he's I'm in Abraham's bosom. And he thought the guy never got because he thought that this young guy, this other guy, the, oh, his servant, the poor man was still his servant. Go get me something. He said, I'm not getting, oh, I'm in Abraham's bosom. Go get your own Coke. Go get your own money. You know, our, our vision here is to reach people and build community. And my, my pastor, Pastor Kevin York, came in a few years ago, and he told me again this last time he left, Rich, to find out, you need to find out all about your city and find out where the pain is. And so you know how to pray for, but also how we can attack it. 
because I'm not going to be successful in here on Sunday mornings, guys. You know where our impact's going to be made? Where I'm going to remember how many lives are changed outside? You know, he, uh, so we had the incident back a few weeks, um, about last year with the cops that got killed in Dallas. And I just felt the Lord said, you need, your job is to partner with the police department. So that's what I've been doing. I'm actually, I'm in civilian police academy now. And I'm also part of pastors in patrol. Chief says I'm in charge. I didn't know I was in charge of it. But um, <laughs> I get to ride along with the police department. And I did a ride Thursday night. And it impacted me like anything else. Usually I go a couple times and we have pull people over like that. And I try to educate the community that the cops are not bad. They, in authority like God, you know, they're from they're in authority. We have some bad cops, but now I'm not bad, you know. Remember authority again when the cops were the good guys? And um, we were out Thursday night, short time, and uh, we turned over by Dice, made a right turn. There's two cars sitting out in front of us. They look up. They see us in the car. This is like the movies. They take off. One goes that way, one goes that way. So, oh, wow, it's like a kid when they get caught. Oh, here's mama. And uh, so we followed a guy to the left. And he only knew where to go. He only knew one place to go. He wanted to go get his daddy. Well, his daddy happens to work in one of the drug infest, well, drug supplying businesses. So we pull up, people come out, and, you know, the, the fashion thing today is when a, a cop show up, pull out your cell phone, catch you catch something. So um, the dad comes out. What do you do? Well, it's drugs. Cocaine, marijuana. Dad's upset. He's embarrassed. But dad has a history with the police department. He's been arrested numerous times also. So it hit me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. This hit me like a ton of bricks. This is what death looks like. You know why? Because dad is looking in the mirror at himself. Dad without Jesus has created this. This had no point, didn't care about authority. And dad was screaming, and all that stuff about, even got mad at me. I'm like, wait, oh. But he has showed no remorse, and he's stuck. And I'm saying, oh, he hasn't had, I don't even know if he has children yet. So there goes another generation. You listen to me. So the girlfriend shows up. Can you open the door? She just wants the money. Well, she lost her boyfriend a couple weeks ago, her other boyfriend, to drugs. So he's the new guy. Sabling, Texas. It's where we walk around in. At that moment, I felt so hopeless, helpless. And I almost judged him. But I remember John 3, hmm. 16 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever will believe in him will have eternal life. The only thing missing from that man is the church, which is the only transforming agent in his life that will transform generations. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you're a parent and you're just hopscotching through Jesus, in about 12 years, you're going to look at that person and then you're going to say, they're gonna, they have an attitude. Just look back at you. Then when you do this, you're going to have four people, things looking back at you. You put that on them. That's what life looks like without Jesus. Whoever shall not, what, perish. He was perishing still here on earth. It's not like he'll perish. That's going to happen anyway if he doesn't know Jesus, but he is perishing right before my eyes. And he's going to perish. And if he has children, they're going to perish. And everyone's going to perish. And we're going to still sing songs. And we're going to have a great time. And we'll get a fit and do whatever it is. And we just forget that we're surrounded with anxiety and fear. We're surrounded with discouragement. We're surrounded with those who are defeated because they don't know how to get out. And the police department say, I don't know what to do with them. They know. They're right. There's no hope unless the gospel, unless they know Jesus is. There is no other hope. He's the hope of the world. He's the hope of the church. He's the hope of my community. He's the hope of my family. He's the hope of all things. And I come in, I love this because I see young other people today profess their faith publicly in getting baptized. Who says, I want to fully change my life. I don't want halfway. I want to fully change my life. And if I didn't care, I'm going to just close up and go home. John prayed for me after. He said, I got, ooh, I got heaviness on me, man. I'm hating that. Same way Jesus hated it. Say when would people leave here without changing their lives? That just, oh. So God, can you just, you reached, you came down, you went more than halfway. You came down from heaven. You became man, the incarnation, to save us who didn't even want it. And now we introduce them to people. I don't need it. I'm not ready yet. I'm not going to be a full follower of Jesus. I just want to hopscotch through it. Not putting you down. But Jesus, God, feels it every day we reject him. Every time we turn down discipleship, he's like, this young man, this young woman have so much potential. It won't reach it unless, unless, unless my son is in their lives. How are we going to change our neighborhoods? The gospel. One father transformed transform the grandchildren. So this is what it's all about, guys. So when I get dressed up on Easter Sunday, we have egg, we toss eggs and all that. But I don't want this to be about church. I want to be about the gospel transformation. what Jesus did. Greatest thing about it, he kept saying, it's not under death. 
We can change a family's tree. I can change a family's tree, Rich, just like that through my spirit. But he says even for the people who know you, we need to refocus our lives on sharing you, sharing him. Because we walk by him and we work by him every day. And I was convicted because I almost judged that man. But I remember, if Jesus didn't come in and my life at 30 years old, I'd probably have been him too. Or worse, probably wouldn't be here. How about you? Where are you at? Where is Jesus in your life? Is he part-time? Remember I said last week, a butler? Or is he Lord? And those who don't know Jesus, that's the weirdest thing if you come in a place like this. What is this? This is the people who know there's an answer and know that God entrusts us with this answer to share hope, share joy, and, not help, and help people stop med- self-medicating and give them the real spirit, the Holy Spirit. Give them hope that they don't feel like life is over. This is all I have. This is Abilene talk. It's all there is. There's nothing else to Abilene. That's it. That's it. It's over. It's over. No, it's not. But Jesus Christ, we're just getting started. He wants to do great things in this city. He wants to do great things to you. But you will never capture what your true you is until you are born again. And you know, and something lights up in you. The Spirit brings in with His Spirit. And then you get the real wisdom. You get the real life. It's called abundant life. Even when you're broke, you have abundant life because you know the one that is above anything that we even worry about. Every eye closed, every head bowed. And Father, I ask at this moment, Holy Spirit, it's a special time for destinies to be...